I'm honored to be with you this afternoon here in Cape Town. And my visit to South Africa, this is my second visit. I was in Cape Town in 2010, and it's wonderful to be back in this city and this country. This year, 2018, marks the 70th anniversary of the institution of the apartheid system in South Africa. It also marks the 70th anniversary of the Nakba, the ethnic cleansing in Palestine, and the formal institution of the Zionist system of apartheid in Palestine. But as we look back from the perspective in 2018, only one of those apartheid systems is still standing. The purpose of Israeli Apartheid Week is not just to commemorate these events, it's not just to look back, but it is to look forward, to mobilize and educate people for the day when Palestine is liberated. The message which Palestinians send to their comrades in South Africa is that we need your active solidarity and support because the struggle for liberation in South Africa could not have been won without global solidarity. And right now Palestinians are calling on people in South Africa and, in the, and around the world to give them their active solidarity, particularly in the form of boycott, divestment and sanctions. Just a few weeks ago, the representative of the Republic of South Africa made a statement at the UN Human Rights Council in Geneva. He said, Israel is the only country in the world today that can be described as an apartheid state. This is a statement that has real significance because apartheid is defined as one of the top-level crimes against humanity in international law. But then the question is posed, if you see someone or some entity committing a crime against humanity and you declare that that is happening, what is your responsibility? And we believe that South Africa has the same responsibility as the rest of humanity to act against the crime against humanity like this. But South Africa plays a special role in the world. It has a special significance because it is the only other country in the world that formally met the definition of apartheid in international law. So from one former apartheid state, the message must go out clearly to the world. End Israeli apartheid. Now many of you will have heard and been concerned about the declaration made by the president of the country where I live, Donald Trump, declaring Jerusalem the capital of Israel. It's something that uh, lots of people were very upset about. But frankly, 
I would say Donald Trump did us a favor. You might think that's a strange thing to hear me say. But I believe that Israel and the United States thought the question of Jerusalem was settled in their favor. Why shouldn't they? Nobody's been doing anything about it. I think they thought that when they made this declaration, the rest of the world would come out of the woodwork and follow. Now that Big Brother United States has done it, we can do it too. So it was heartening to see a big international rejection of this when the UN General Assembly voted on it just a few uh, days later there was an overwhelming majority of countries that said no. The US declaration of Jerusalem as Israel's capital is illegal. It's against international law. We won't accept it. But ask any Palestinian in Jerusalem today if those words, if those declarations from the UN made any difference at all to them. Well, maybe they felt better for a day. But on the ground in Jerusalem, things have not got better. They continue to get worse. For many of us around the world, Jerusalem is an important symbol and a rallying cry. It's, a holy, it's the home of the holy mosques of the Haram Sharif. But it is too easy to forget that Jerusalem is also a living city. That its 300,000 Palestinians are under constant threat, are being forced out of their city. There is a concerted effort by the Israeli government to physically transform Jerusalem and to erase its history. Here in Cape Town, I had the opportunity during my last visit to visit the District 6 Museum and to see and learn about the stories of people who were expelled from their homes so that other people could take their place. And while I've been in South Africa, I've been reading of the ongoing legal struggle by District 6 families to return to their homes, to go back to the places from which they were expelled. This would be a measure of justice that I hope will open the door to many other uh, measures of justice that are still needed in South Africa. But Jerusalem is full of District 6s that continue to be uh, the target of expulsion. Take the village of Silwan, part of Jerusalem, that is within sight of the Haram al-Sharif. And there, family, Palestinian family after family, is being expelled from their homes. Their homes are being demolished to build Israeli settlements, to build Jewish settlements. Although when we say that, we are clear that what is being done by Israel supposedly in the name of Jewish people doesn't represent Jewish people any more than any other state claiming to act in the name of a religion doesn't represent that religion. So 
the call for solidarity goes beyond protesting the statements of uh, Donald Trump or the State of Israel. It must hold accountable those who are complicit in this ongoing ethnic cleansing of Jerusalem. We should also remember that what is happening in Jerusalem is happening all over historic Palestine. That we cannot uh, become angry. We cannot rise up in outrage only when the name of Jerusalem is invoked. That for me as a, a Palestinian, every part of Palestine is Jerusalem. There's no uh, part of the land of Palestine that is less dear to the people who've lived on it for generation after generation. There is no part of Palestine that is less worthy of being liberated uh, than uh, Jerusalem. And this is where we have to be very careful about the language which Israel is trying to push on the world to try to convince people that what is happening in Palestine is some kind of religious dispute, that Muslims and Christians and Jews don't get on with each other. And what we need is more interfaith dialogue. I believe in dialogue of every kind, and interfaith dialogue has important value, particularly in, uh, in communities around the world, uh, like Cape Town, where there is so much uh, diversity. But this can also be a cover. It's a cover that Israel uses to confuse people, because there is no religious conflict in Palestine. There is no religious conflict. There were always people of Christian, Muslim, and Jewish faith in Palestine. And they lived together. That was never the problem. The problem was settler colonialism and a Zionist political ideology that says only one group of people should have this land. That is the problem. And so, for Palestinians, I know this from experience, particularly in the United States. I'm told when I raise my voice and I raise these issues that you're being confrontational. That uh, why aren't you more peaceful? Why aren't you more uh, uh, seeking of dialogue? Well, I love peace and I love dialogue. Who doesn't? But injustice doesn't give way simply to words. Injustice requires action. And in Palestine now, Palestinians are paying a very high price because they are standing up to military occupation. Right now as we're gathered here today, 300 Palestinian children are in Israeli military detention. They include Ahed Tamimi, the 17-year-old girl from the village of Nabi Saleh. What was her crime in the eyes of the occupation? Well, on December 15th, a Friday, 
The occupation army came to Nabi Saleh as they always do, to fire tear gas and guns at the people of the village, men, women and children, who are simply protesting to defend their land. So much of their land has already been stolen to build the Israeli settlement of Halamish that now sits on their land and overlooks what is left of their village. And on that day, the soldiers uh, were filmed, uh, or rather Ahed Tamimi was filmed. And this video uh, has been seen around the world. Slapping and shoving two heavily armed soldiers. A 17-year-old girl doesn't represent much of a threat to these heavily armed soldiers. But this video was seen in Israel and it created outrage. They said, how can our brave, strong Israeli army allow itself to be humiliated by a teenager? We must get revenge. And so the soldiers came back in the middle of the night a few days later and they took Ahed Tamimi from her bed and they took her to military prison. They took her mother as well and her mother is still in military prison. They said her mother is the one who filmed the video. And they took her cousin as well. When this first got reported around the world, people were outraged enough. But what they, what the part of the story that, that didn't reach people right away is what had happened just before Ahed Tamimi had shoved those soldiers. One of them had shot her 15-year-old cousin Muhammad in the head. By a miracle he survived, by a miracle. And if you see his picture, you won't believe it. Half of his skull is missing, but he's alive. Well, the Israeli army wasn't satisfied with that either. And when the story and the picture of Muhammad Tamimi went around the world, the Israeli army came back in the middle of the night just two weeks ago, and they arrested Muhammad Tamimi, a boy who wasn't allowed to leave his house because his brain was covered only with a thin layer of skin, and he was awaiting surgery to put back the bones of his skull. But they took him in a military jeep and they beat him. And they announced the next day, Muhammad Tamimi admitted, one of the top generals in the Israeli army, Muhammad Tamimi admitted that we didn't shoot him, he fell off his bicycle. When I told this story in South Africa, someone said, Oh, the apartheid regime always used to say, He slipped in the shower. That's the Israeli version. He fell off his bicycle. Israel can get away with this. Documented abuses against children, against women, against men against senior citizens, because the world allows it. The world allows it. Why shouldn't they? They steal the land and build settlements on it. You're lucky if you get a meek statement of protest. They keep 5,000 Palestinian political prisoners. 
many of them in so-called administrative detention. This is a leftover from British colonial rule. They can keep you in prison forever without charge or trial. The world says nothing. They attack and condemn those who stand up to it. They get uh, smeared as anti-Semitic when the Palestinian struggle is the first and foremost to say it is anti-racist and stands against any form of bigotry. They say we hate because we ask for equality. It has been now 70 years since the start of the Nakba, the ethnic cleansing of Palestine. Through that period, generation after generation of Palestinians have been forced off their land, living in refugee camps, dispersed around the world, bombed in Gaza, as in 2014, 550 children killed in 51 days. That is 11 children a day. Mosques were bombed in Gaza. Schools, universities. The oldest mosque in Gaza was destroyed by uh, Israeli bombing. You didn't hear a word about it in international media. This has to end. It has to end. The great hope of Palestinians at this time is international solidarity. Palestinians are struggling on the ground, and they will continue to do so. But their message is they can't do it alone. What I'm hoping and praying for is that <clears throat> this Israeli Apartheid Week will be the last Israeli Apartheid Week. We don't want any more commemorations. We don't want uh, a 15th Israeli Apartheid Week and a 20th and a 25th. We want to end Israeli Apartheid. I feel so fortunate to be in South Africa for the second time in my life. I hope that the next time I come here will not be for Israeli Apartheid Week, not to talk to you about the atrocities that are happening in Palestine, but to celebrate with you the liberation of Palestine and your important part in it. Thank you. And let's make it soon. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum.